Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, we're so excited that you joined us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. My name is John Russin. I serve as the host, I guess you can call me that, here with the man who has all the answers. Pastor Frank Friedman. Man, it's good to see you today, my friend. Hello, it's good to see you, John. And fortunately, we know the one who has all the answers, don't we? (laughs) That's right. Certainly not us. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, Frank, as you know, we have been talking, well, I guess talking is really a kind word. We've been meddling, really, about arguably one of the most difficult of our Lord's commands through the Apostle Paul, and that is to forgive one another. And for the past several weeks, we've mentioned that our enemy will try very hard to convince us it's a bad idea to do that, to let those who wounded us off the hook. But you know, Father is persistent, and there might be a time when we decide to follow our Lord's instruction and and forgive. And when that happens, the enemy just doesn't go away. His efforts don't stop. He just changes his tactics a little, and he begins to offer us what I call counterfeits, things to do, ways to think, how to feel. So we believe we're forgiving, we feel like we're forgiving, but we really aren't. And Frank, if you recall over the last two episodes, we've been discussing these, and you call them what forgiveness is not. And there are a lot of counterfeits out there. Things like this, forgiveness is forgetting. Well, we know that's not true. Forgiveness is a quick fix. It's easily done. Well, it's not true either. Mm. Another one is we've talked about, we got to feel like forgiving first, or they got to repent first. Well, Frank, these counterfeits to forgiveness sound pretty hollow while we're picking them apart, but boy, they sure can seem convincing and real when we're in the throes of the battle and the enemy is hurling these thoughts into our brain, isn't it? Yeah, John, in Ephesians, it says to be aware of the wiles of the devil. And I just got a quick memory. I remember I was doing this with a bunch of teens and had a teen read that out loud. And he read, be aware of the willies of the devil. <laughs> we we <laughs> yeah, had a great okay. laugh. I said, well, his wiles will give you the willies. That word is really scheme, method. And he's got them because if he can't keep you from securing freedom in Christ through accepting Jesus and his life, then he will certainly try to pervert it and keep you from experiencing his life. And one of the easiest methods or schemes by which he does that is sowing lies about what forgiveness is. Because if we will believe that lie, we will not experience that which we possess. And he's got a lot of them. I'm glad you pointed out a few of them. I'm assuming we got a few more today. Yes, sir, we do. How about this one? One of the things that forgiveness is not is 
Forgiveness isn't justifying, excusing, or explaining away our offenders or their offenses. You know, we've talked about this before, Frank, being a peacekeeper, just sweeping things under the rug just to keep things quiet. And I'll chime in, and I understand why people do this. It's easy to look back. Let's say your father has been harsh and abusive. Well, it's easy to look back and say, well, I see my grandfather, his father. He's harsh and abusive, which means my great-grandfather probably was kind of harsh and abusive too. So when we see this, this generational sin, this generational flesh pattern, we might be tempted to say, well, you know, my parents were abusive, my dad's abusive, but gosh, look at the way he was brought up. He was abused as a child too. So of course he can do nothing better. Bless their hearts, they try their best, but they just can't do any better. Frank, I don't know how many times I've heard that. And while everything I've just said might be true, it means nothing with regards to my offense and my process of forgiveness. So it's easy to get sidetracked by understanding and feeling compassion for those who have wounded us, isn't it? Yeah, John, we we actually use a term in the counseling arena phrase, understanding breeds compassion, but it's not forgiveness. As we saw in previous episodes, forgiveness is an act of the will, a choice we have to make. And we certainly understand it. What these people are doing, they look at the other person who was a victimizer to them, but then we look and we see, well, my goodness, they were a victim themselves. And the understanding breeds the compassion. And I get that. And we tell people, go ahead and be compassionate towards them. But just know that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is a transaction, an act of the will, and you still have to forgive. And John, we've seen that one all the time, especially with family members. We look and we say, oh my goodness, they had such a difficult life themselves. They were abused when they grew up. But you know, John, there is a sneakier motive here that we've seen many, many times in that counseling arena, and it's self-protection. Oh, yes. I'm glad you brought that up, my friend. Yeah. You see, if this person willfully made a choice to wound me, that increases the intensity of the pain that I'm going to be feeling. And all of us are self-protective. Nobody likes pain. So if we can explain it away somehow, it will lessen my experience of pain. And so that's when that excuse making comes in. Well, you know, if because they were so badly abused, they abuse me. And John, we discussed this earlier. Again, the understanding breeds compassion. I understand that but that is not a choice, an act of the will. And the universal laws we've said many times, I'm sure we'll say it a couple of times today, next week, and before this series is over, you cannot give away what you do not fully own. And the only way a person is ever going to get free is to make the choice to admit what this person did to them with no excuses, no explanation, 
and John, uh, not allowing understanding and compassion to get in the way of the choice to forgive. That's well said, my friend. As I'm listening to you, I'm playing in my mind just a hypothetical scenario of how I would feel if I were looking at someone and having great compassion on them. My emotions would kick in. I'd start to produce whatever hormones you produce that make you feel, ah, uh, ah, isn't that special? You know, that warm, cuddly, emotional feeling. And when that kicks in, it can easily be confused with, oh, wow, this is how I feel when I've forgiven. It's really great. I guess yeah. I've forgiven, but really it isn't. The emotions are leading us down the path that we don't want to go on because, as you said, we have to acknowledge what the hurt is. We yeah. have to acknowledge how it got there. We got to own it without excusing anyone for what they did. Because mm. unless you own it, you know, you've said this many times, you can't give away what you don't own. And so mm. unless you own what was done to you, you can't possibly release it as an mm. act of forgiveness. You can feel warm and fuzzy, but I'll tell you, the warm and fuzzies are not going to last, but the unforgiveness will linger and probably begin to fester. Did I get that right? Mm. Oh, John, let's just give an illustration. You're standing before a preacher type. You've got the girl of your dreams on your arm. And he says to you, John, do you choose to receive this girl? as your bride, and you say, well, I feel really good about this. I have tremendous passion and compassion for her. And it sounds like the greatest thing ever to have her as my bride. John, you're not married yet. That's right. <laughs> you didn't say, I do. And that's what happens here. And this is such a sneaky one. Because you gain that understanding, you feel sorrowful, you feel loving, you feel compassionate, and the enemy slips in there and says, well, you forgave, and no, you didn't. Yeah. And it will continue to fester, and all it's going to take is a, a trigger somehow, and that unforgiveness, the bitterness, the anger, it's all going to come out someday. Yeah. And you know, the quickest way to address that, Frank, is, Father, have I forgiven them? You know, the Holy Spirit will tell you. He will lead you into all truth, whether you really have released them or whether you're swallowing the blue pill and going back into La La Land. It's a reference to the Matrix. All right, here's another one, my friend. This is number seven in our list. Forgiveness is not asking God to forgive them. And Frank, this is sneaky because it's biblical. Mm -hmm. Jesus did it. Luke 23, you can read that on the cross. He said, hey, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And Stephen did it in Acts chapter 7. Father, don't hold this sin against them. And so mm. it's easy to say, God, forgive them. But that's missing the point completely, isn't it, my friend? Yes, John. God forgiving them. Let's set the record straight. That's a beautiful thing to ask. It's a wonderful thing to pray. Nothing wrong with that at all. But don't confuse it. 
for your own choice, your own act of the will. In fact, back to our theme verse, when we started this, remember from Ephesians 4, you forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. And that was an imperative verb. It's a command. And so John, again, the enemy shows up, the deceiver, be aware of his willies, you know, his wiles. <laughs> He's going to dupe you into thinking that when you pray, oh God, please forgive that person for wounding me. And he's going to dupe you into thinking that you have forgiven and you've done nothing of the sort. I didn't hear you exercise your will. The transaction has not taken place. And again, it's going to be there and it's going to take a trigger down the road and all the emotion, the negative emotion will come out when you least expect it. That's right. Father has forgiven all of our sins. So whatever that person did to you, already forgiven by father the job we have is to follow in our older brother's footsteps pay the price and extend forgiveness just as he has to that person yeah that's a tricky one here's another one that's tricky frank this is number eight forgiveness is not letting your offender off the hook even though it certainly can feel like it can't it you know, you can say to yourself, well, you know, if I forgive them, they'll go off scot-free and they won't pay for what they did. And brother, they got to pay. But more often than not, they're already free. They're not paying. They won't pay. And they likely are not even thinking about you. Mm. And so when you say something like this, I don't want to let them off the hook. It's really saying, I want vengeance. I want to hold on to that because I'm going to get my pound of flesh back. Isn't that right? Oh, John. And there are a couple of issues here that I think really need to be brought to the forefront. There's a sneaky little belief system being manifest here when we say, well, if I forgive them, it's going to be letting them off scot-free. John, number one, that's a slander against God. He is the judge. In Genesis chapter 50, it asks this question, will not the creator of the world judge correctly? And so we know from other scriptures, man is going to give account to himself, at least every man who's not in Christ. And God is the judge. And when you say they're going to go scot-free, you're really saying God's not going to do a good job of being the judge. <laughs> so that's a slander against his reputation, against his character, against his sovereignty, against his kingship. He's going to judge correctly. And then yes. secondly, it's an exaggeration of man. Who are you to judge? You know, that's the great question that gets asked in, in Romans 10. When you judge another person, you're assuming the role of God. Yeah, and right. Paul argued very specifically there, that person answers to God, not to you. And so we're called to forgive them and then to leave the account in God's account, to leave it on his docket, if you will, for the trial that's going to come and he will judge rightly. 
And we got to judge rightly and be willing to, as Paul said in Ephesians, love our own bodies and love ourselves enough to forgive and let go of the bitterness that can come. Yeah. You know, when you do that, Frank, you release the offender to father. You're right. He will take care of a proper consequence for what that person has done. Romans 12 says, a vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'm going to take care of this. What I wish he would say sometimes is that, and I'm going to handle it through John Russell. <laughs> but he doesn't say that. He's no. going to take care of it. But I guess the thing that struck me when I was thinking about this is when we turn it over to Father, he will work to allow consequences in people's lives because of their bad actions or their poor choices or the things they've done to hurt people. But when he does... It's not punitive. I don't see it as punitive. I see it as restorative. He does so with the purpose because Second mm. Peter 3 says he desires that everyone, even your offender, even mm. your wounder, come to repentance. So when the consequences hit those people's lives, sure, they're getting the results of what they did, but there's a deeper purpose that Father has to draw them to himself so that mm -hmm. they can repent and be restored unto him. And I'll tell mm -hmm. you, Frank, when I have wanted to exact vengeance on somebody, restoration has never been on the tip <laughs> of my tongue. Oh, that's for sure. It's, it's in my own life, it's been to get a pound of flesh. John, one of the things that I've kept in my hip pocket when I'm dealing with somebody and they're verbalizing to me that if I forgive them, I just know the character of God. He's going to grace them. He's going to let them go. And they're never going to pay and all that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, just One like of, we are never going to pay. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I uh, keep in my hip pocket is I ask them a question. Do you know why God doesn't let you extract vengeance on these people? And they'll say, why? And I'll say, because you're not good enough at it. <laughs> God is so creative. And one of the things that I point to quite often is in the Old Testament, the Amalekites were being a real pain in the backside to Israel. And so God gave them hemorrhoids. And then I'll ask <laughs> these people, would you have thought of that? <laughs> I mean, that's above my pay grade. I wouldn't yeah. have thought of that. But one of the yeah. things that I've observed, John, <laughs> it's really interesting, is that God tends to judge and discipline specific to the offense. We remember Jezebel, the adulteress. Well, God says to her, I'll give you a bed. And that's fascinating to me. When the Israelites were murmuring and complaining, and by the way, that's a sinful offense. In fact, I remember one guy saying that complaining is the praise language of the satanic hymnal. Uh, that's that's an interesting thought. Remember when they were complaining about no meat, God says, you want meat? No, I'll give you some meat. And he gave them so much meat, they got sick. And yeah. so God's very creative. And I'll tell these people, you can trust him. And then that great passage from Genesis, won't he judge rightly? He will. Yeah. And he'll also be very gracious in a way far beyond what you would have been who have received so much grace yourself. Oh, yeah. Because uh, as I said, 
My motive is, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, watch this, buddy. You think you did that to me? Hang on, because payback's coming. Well, my friend, we are almost 21 minutes into our podcast today, so it's getting close to wrapping up. I don't want to jump ahead and leave us halfway through our next one. So we have talked about a few more today. Forgiveness is not justifying or explaining away. It's not asking God to forgive them. I still think that's so tricky. And it mm -hmm. really doesn't let your offender off the hook. So can you wrap us up with some seminary-trained insight into these three deceptions? <laughs> we raised our kids on a mantra. And the mantra is life is all about choices. And choices have consequences. And, you know, there's a lot of choices we're going to make that might be in very gray areas. A lot of multiplicity of choices we're going to make that are not sinful or amoral at all, where God gives great, great freedom. But then there are choices where we're confronted with the revealed will of God. And God has just made it so very clear. You must forgive your offender. You must make the choice, imperative verb, command, and you say, when is it right and proper to do what God says? Right now. Whether you feel like it or not, all of his commands bring life to us because they're always in accordance with the life of the Lord Jesus Christ himself who lives a righteous life and wants to express his righteous life in us. Don't fall prey to the schemes and methods of the enemy to seduce you into thinking or feeling you've forgiven when you have not made that willful choice to do so. Listening to your talk, my friend, I know we're wrapping this up, but it just kind of struck me that my biggest problem that I've faced over the years in dealing with the forgiveness of those who've wounded me is that I tend to see their offense toward me as much more egregious than my offense toward God. And he doesn't look at yes, this sir. that way. And so I think probably the best advice we can give to our listeners and to ourselves, really, is a Father, just open my eyes to show mm. me just show me, sir, where I am, just stepping out of line. Show me how it's grieving you. Show me how it's breaking your heart. Show me how it's hurting others. Because, Frank, we are blind often to much of that, aren't we? That's a great thought. Our offense against him so much greater than people's offense against us. There's another thought you just sparked my brain. In Psalm 73... Asaph, the worship leader in Israel, got jealous of the wicked who were prospering. And he judged them. He criticized them. He criticized God for not blessing him. He even got to the point where he said, you know what, God, I've worshiped you in vain. And then God let him see the end result of the wicked. He let Asaph see their judgment in a vision. And Asaph mourned and cried out against the cries, the terror of those wicked people. And he says, you know, Lord, I was acting 
like an animal. Hmm. I wasn't acting like a person made in the image of God. And you know, John, that's a whole nother thought that ought to weigh against us. The wicked, when they are judged, oh my goodness, how frightful. Would we really want that? I don't think we would. No, you're so right, my friend. Well, friends, you've been listening to Pastor Frank and Dr. John on the Our Resolute Hope podcast, meddling into one of the most difficult issues in the Christian life, forgiving those who offend us. Uh, we invite you to go beyond just listening to the podcast. Check out our website. You'll find us at OurResoluteHope.com. While you're there, kick your shoes off, set a spell. Look around. There are a lot of resources there, all focused on the same glorious truth that Jesus Christ is our very life. Of course, we have lots of other outlets for information, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channel, and of course, wherever you're hearing this particular podcast. And as always, we close with this reminder from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, that we have a hope as an anchor for our souls. It's a living hope. It's a blessed hope. It's a resolute hope. So today and always, choose hope. Choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.